Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today to break down Julius Randle getting ankle surgery, what that means for him and for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson joining Team USA, what that means for him and for the Knicks. And Scott Perry leaving the Knicks as GM, what that means for him and for the Knicks. Next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes! Tuck left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. And I want to remind you today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure you become an everyday or by hitting that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app. We are here for you guys typically five days a week, even during the offseason. So we got a lot of great content for you guys coming up. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And the big juicy nugget from the weekend, the Knicks announced Julius Randle had ankle surgery. So this comes right from Nick's PR. Julius Randle underwent successful arthroscopic surgery yesterday on his left ankle. He will resume basketball activities later this summer. Uh, my first thought was like, man, that really makes you think about just how badly he hurt his ankle at the end of the regular season and then obviously the second ankle sprain at the end of that calf series leading into the heat series uh sort of goes with something i said the other day where i was like you know it's kind of hard to really give randall a a grade so to speak on this postseason and draw any conclusions because he was clearly not 100% himself during this postseason. Uh, credit to him for gutting it out. Um, I don't think that this necessarily means that there was some underlying huge in, uh, injury that you know needed to be fixed. Um, I, I thought that it might be helpful to outline what arthroscopic surgery is for anyone who's curious or unfamiliar. I know it could be sort of a scary term. Like you might hear that and then uh, have thoughts of like Amari Stoudemire who had had multiple arthroscopic surgeries. Uh, but that this term arthroscopic is not so much, uh, it doesn't mean the type of procedure uh, so much as the instrument that they use to complete the procedure, which is an arthroscope. It's basically a little camera that they can put in through a small incision and then has the capability to put other little tools uh, through it. I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly how that part works, but uh, can use little tools to uh, create uh, or to take care of little like micro surgeries. 
within an appendage or, you know, whatever part of the body. Uh, so in this case, the ankle for Julius Randall, my completely, my own guess is that Julius was still feeling pain. And so probably opted to just do the arthroscope now rather than later uh, to basically just do maintenance on his ankle. Like if he's saying, okay, it's been, you know, almost a month since we were eliminated from the playoffs. Like I'm still feeling a good amount of pain. Uh, you know, I want to just get this cleaned up and surgically fixed so that then I'll be completely ready for next season. That would be my guess. Um, there's, you know, they can use the arthroscope to see like uh, Julius probably had ligament uh, damage of some sort because that's what happens when you sprain an ankle. Your ligament gets stretched but not broken. Uh, so bent but not broken, basically. So perhaps they saw like a micro tear in there or something, or perhaps, uh, you know, even just, I don't know if they have procedures that allow them to just aid the the healing of the ligament in the ankle. But either way, that's probably what happened. It was probably nothing major. Uh, if anyone was curious the uh, with what Amari used to get, the surgeries that Amari Stoudemire had gotten previously, those were called microfracture surgeries. Uh, that was like a a thing that was very in style in the mid to late 2000s, which has since been proven to be junk science. It was like they would like put holes in your cartilage of your knee, which was, I don't know, supposed to make it more aerodynamic or something. I don't know what the heck the, the thought process was there with that. Um, but ultimately, uh, it wasn't that. And so even though that used an arthroscope, what there's no similarity, I don't think between, you know, some of the, the bad surgeries of the past and, and what Julius Randall just had done. So speedy recovery, Julius, hopefully you're feeling better by the end of the summer, like, like the next PR said, and then by next training camp and next season, feeling a hundred percent ship shape and ready to go. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jalen Brunson, also is going to apparently be repping Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. So he's joining other announced uh, participants right now. Mikhail Bridges, Tyrese Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, Austin Reeves, and Bobby Portis are the committed players thus far. So last time around for, the, for Team USA in the FIBA World Cup was pretty embarrassing. That was in 2019. Uh, they uh, Team USA, they lost a couple of... Uh, exhibitions early on, if I remember correctly, uh, which was a little embarrassing on their part. Uh, you know, to Team USA doesn't typically lose ever, but they lost like I think it was an exhibition to like Puerto Rico or something. Like it was, it was a team they probably shouldn't have lost to uh, in the the early stages of things, and then got to the FIBA World Cup and they were undefeated all the way through the uh, the final rounds of the tournament except then they ran into France uh, in that round and lost to France and then lost to Serbia in the next round and then eventually wound up finishing seventh, which is not a place that Team USA usually finds itself. I don't think that they have finished in any major competition, typically any lower than like third. Uh, so to finish seventh was uh, different for them. Uh, of course, they went on to redeem themselves in uh, the Olympics then and got a gold medal. So that's good. Uh, so they, they managed to figure that all out. But um, yeah, we'll see how Team USA does. I mean, 
honestly, that part I'm not too concerned about. I'm sure Team USA will be fine. Even when they're not fine, they're still fine because there's always, you know, for every embarrassing loss in the FIBAs, there's always a bunch of guys willing to then say, okay, fine, I'll step up and join the team for the Olympics and we'll go win another gold medal because that's what Team USA does. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, as far as what this means for Jalen Brunson and for the Knicks, I love this because I think that it's a good idea to participate in Team USA if you're an NBA player. We've seen now, starting back with, uh, obviously, with the big three with the Heat, that these relationships matter. And, you know, these guys meet each other at these events and, you know, end up forging lifelong friendships that sometimes then spill into the NBA and lead to free agent decisions or trade demand decisions and things of that nature. So I'm all about it. I mean, if, uh, if this FIBA world cup and then maybe the Olympics ends up with Jalen Brunson eventually becoming best friends with Anthony Edwards and Anthony Edwards ending up on the Knicks someday, then that's cool by me. Uh, or, you know, he's obviously already friends with Mikhail Bridges. So, Maybe that just spurs things along to get him on the Knicks. Although I, I doubt that the Nets are going to be lining up to trade him uh, <laughs> right across the river, but we'll see. But either way, I mean, I, I think it could be nothing but a positive for Jalen Brunson and for the Knicks in the long term. So, you know, go Team USA gives me gives me a good rooting interest in this uh, this FIBA World Cup. So much better than the last time when it was basically <laughs> the team was basically the Boston Celtics. Which, by the way. How hilarious that the team that was super embarrassed was basically the Celtics when they included Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart, and also Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> that was the team that got they got super embarrassed. Those were like the biggest names on that team. So hopefully this this uh, Knicks slash Villanova version is a little better. Anyway, I'll be back in just a second because there's some other big news here. Scott Perry is out as GM of the Knicks now. Uh, in what was called a mutual uh, parting of ways. So I'll be talking about that in just a second. But first, I got to remind you all that today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. And PrizePix is currently running their million-dollar daily Superflex promotion for the NBA playoffs and finals. Every day of the finals, one PrizePix user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks gives you $1 million. Five correct picks gives you $80,000. Four correct picks gives you $16,000. So full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. And you must opt in at that link, prizepicks.com slash million, to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be a lucky winner. And what is playing prize picks like normal? Well, Prize picks is not like your typical daily fantasy game. Uh, instead of having to do the whole convoluted, like build a roster using a budget and blah, blah, blah thing where you're facing a bunch of guys that are basically professionals at playing daily fantasy, it's a lot easier. You're just picking against prize picks's projections. Uh, so let's say that they say that uh, Jimmy Butler, it, will Jimmy Butler score 20 over under 23 and a half points? You say over, boom, that's your pick. If that happens, that part of your entry wins. It's really that easy. You could do it across multiple sports as well. So if you want to do it for the NBA Finals, for your favorite MLB team that night, whether it's like the Mets or the Knicks or sorry, the Mets or the Yankees or whatever, 
uh, you know, do whatever the case, whatever it is that you want to do on any given entry. And uh, you could do it all at the same time on Prize Picks, which is really fun. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, and I'm back in with some more news here. Kind of a big news weekend for the for the Knicks, interestingly, the Julius thing, the Brunson thing, and Scott Perry uh, out as GM of the Knicks. Uh, this is, um, I guess, a little older of news. I think this broke while I was recording with uh, with Stacy last week, uh, that episode that we put out, So, and then we haven't had a chance to get to it yet. It's not exactly world-breaking. It's not like any of the... The top top decision makers at MSG are out of a job now, so I, you know, I guess this is something that can wait three four days to get into. But uh, they had what was called a mutual parting of ways, uh, which I believe, you know, I think Scott Perry at this point probably was like, you know, <laughs> it, he was left over from the old regime. It seemed like Leon Rose did trust him uh, certainly and did have him you know, be an active part of the front office. He was always right there with Leon, World Wide West, Tibbs, you know, at like scouting events and and things of that nature, was often seen sitting with Leon Rose uh, courtside. And I'm sure that he did a really good job shepherding Leon Rose into his first front office position of his life uh, on an NBA team. So I, I certainly think that Scott Perry had his moments uh, and, and probably had a nice time, but also was probably ready to like move on to something different. Perhaps, you know, there was, I think a report around a year ago that he was in consideration for a GM job somewhere else. And then uh, it fell through at a certain point and then he didn't end up taking the job and then wound up just staying with the Knicks. I honestly forget what team that was at this point uh, that had a front office opening that he was going to potentially go to, but Maybe at this point of his life, it's just like, you know what? Okay, I think I'm ready to find like another top job again. Um, you know, he previously was the GM of the Knicks under Steve Mills as president of basketball operations, but seemed to have a little more authority in that relationship versus in the Leon Rose regime, seeming more to just, at least from my perspective on the outside, seeming more to just be like the guy that was helping transfer Leon into his role and you know, sort of transition the the two regimes um, from the the Steve Mills era into the Leon Rose era. But all in all, I mean, I, so I would say this. Uh, I think most of the moves that happened when he and Mills were both with the Knicks, it certainly, seem, it certainly seemed like things turned for the better once Scott Perry showed up. Here's just some of the, the moves. I mean, there was obviously more than these around the margins, but I think some of the bigger moves – uh, that stand out to me. He was he came on and almost immediately was tasked with trading Carmelo Anthony, and uh, which really underscores he's been he's been around with the Knicks for six years now or so, which is rare. It's not something that you normally see. So that's the first thing. Shout out to to Scott Perry in that regard. Uh, but he traded Carmelo Anthony to Oklahoma City. God, that was so long ago. Melo's now retired uh, <laughs> for a package that eventually included the Mitchell Robinson draft pick. And he was also uh, 
the top decision maker or one of the top decision makers when the Mitchell Robinson choice was made, um, which is a, a big deal. Uh, and Mitch is still on the team and was just a huge part of the team being as good as they were this year and advancing as far as they did in the playoffs and everything else. So that's obviously huge. Uh, he and Steve Mills drafted RJ Barrett. Uh, they both also both signed Julius Randle. So two of the cornerstones of the current team were brought on when it was Scott Perry and Steve Mills. And they also executed the Chris Tapps Porzingis trade, which has yet to still fully pay off because the Dallas pick is not conveyed just yet. Uh, the 2023 pick. So that might finally come to fruition next year and uh, finally finish the Porzingis trade off. But as of right now, things not looking too shabby for the Knicks as far as that's concerned. Uh, you know, obviously they didn't end up getting, well, I guess this goes into part of it too. Uh, obviously the rumored uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, signing was supposed to have happened under Mills and Perry did not end up happening which I think has worked out for the better in the long term, uh, I, I, considering we see how it all worked out in Brooklyn. And I, I think the Knicks are better positioned right now than Brooklyn is, for sure, uh, which probably has a lot to do with Leon Rose as well. But honestly, I think that Mills and Perry did a, a solid enough job, whether intentional or not, with the, the Durant and Kyrie thing. Uh, I think they did a solid job of, you know, setting this team up and still guarding the draft picks, which was something that started all the way back with Phil Jackson and, you know, making smart signings. Julius Randle was paid off in a huge way. Uh, Reggie Bullock was a really good signing that they had had at the time. Um, you know, it, it, Taj Gibson was a good vet for a couple of years. I mean, they, they made some good moves ultimately that, that paid dividends for the Knicks over the years. But then, of course, there's for all the good, there was some bad um, signed Alfred Payton who stuck around with the team for way too long that he was distinctly a Perry guy. Uh, he was someone that Perry had been part of drafting in Orlando when he was with that organization. So that really had a, a, a lot of connotations of like, yeah, this guy, this guy was a Perry guy and that's why he got signed. Obviously, we know how the Alfred Payton stuff ended. Uh, don't have to worry about it too much now with Jalen Brunson on the team, but still not the best. Uh, the Emmanuel Moutier trade, uh, less so the trade. I th I remember liking the trade at the time, but more so the fact that they stuck with Moutier as long as they did um, and gave him as much of a role as they did when he clearly was not working out on the court, uh, which brings me to David Fisdale. Uh, he and, and uh, Mills were obviously a big part of hiring David Fisdale as well. Uh, who was pretty disastrous, ultimately, uh, as the head coach of the Knicks. They also drafted Kevin Knox, which will, you know, for as, I think, good as the R.J. Barrett pick was, the Knox pick. And look, I talked myself into Kevin Knox, too. Uh, but ultimately, that pick, considering some of the guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Mikhail Bridges or uh, before all of his all of his uh, legal troubles, Miles Bridges, um or Michael Porter Jr., or like anyone else. There's a lot of guys drafted after Kevin Knox that would have been significantly better to have on the team long-term than Kevin Knox, but it is what it is. You know, those are draft picks. You know, they you take them and you hope that the big swing will pay off. In that case, that big swing did not pay off for the Scott Perry and Steve Mills regime. Uh, but all in all, 
I'd say a pretty positive legacy left behind. You know, even with those negatives from uh, Perry, I think that he largely did a good job. Uh, I think that the second that he came on, the Mills regime seemed more legitimate. And ultimately, like, the Mills regime looks better, I think, because of Scott Perry. Because seemingly from the second that he came on, uh, the team started making much better moves. And uh, I, I think that he leaves a good legacy here. So all the best to Scott Perry going forward. Uh, but, you know, obviously still very excited about what's going on with the Leon Rose regime. Uh, our buddy Ian, Ian Begley wrote some good stuff about kind of giving some context on where the Knicks go from here as far as their GM and all that stuff. So uh, going to get into that in just a second when we finish up Locked on Knicks. All right, and we're back in to finish talking about the, the weekend news. And uh, the final part kind of dovetails from the uh, fact that Scott Perry is leaving. There's now obviously a, a gap at GM in the Knicks front office. Now, how necessary is that? I don't know. Um, you know, the Knicks have sort of a weird front office structure where it seems like, uh, well, I wouldn't say weird. I think productive front office structure. It seems like where Leon Rose is basically the end all be all. And yet he takes a lot of input from various people to help make his decisions. Uh, Worldwide West, William Wesley, obviously his, his top advisor and has been for years and years now. So, you know, that's, that's one person that's very high up in the organization. Um, and then there's a few others that could potentially be stepping into a, a bigger role here. So uh, our buddy Ian Begley over SNY reported this uh, in an article the other day, but Gerson Rosas, uh, who the Knicks had hired as a consultant, I believe about a year ago, uh, maybe a little over a year ago, sometime last season, uh, he is expected to have an expanded role now, according to Begley. Um, he was obviously the GM of the Timberwolves and was fired from there after uh, a stint there and during his firing there, there was talk about uh, like an affair he was having or something or, or, or consensual. It was described as a consensual relationship that he was having um, with a staffer that did not report to him. So I never quite understood why it was a story to begin with. Um, and then there was uh, just other than that, just people saying like, oh, he was difficult to work with this, that, the other. His ousting of Minnesota always seemed a little weird to me personally. I thought they kind of just wanted to fire him, but then decided to, instead of just being like, well, this is just merit-based, then decided to be like, well, it's because he was difficult and he was having having an affair with a staffer and blah, blah, blah. This seemed a little smeary to me. Uh, at any rate, he's been with the Knicks for over a year now, and it doesn't seem like any drama has followed him. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that aspect. I think if he ultimately becomes the new, like, quote unquote, GM of the Knicks instead of just a consultant or whatever it is he is right now, that's fine by me. He's, uh, you know, good friends with Leon Rose. He also knows Tibbs and is friends with Tibbs, I think. And you can assume by proxy is probably also friends with World Wide West because, you know, that's usually how things go with, with Leon and Wes is that they're kind of just friends with everybody. Um, so if he just kind of moves into a new position and is still doing basically the same stuff that he's been doing, then 
I think that's fine by me. I don't really see the huge issue there. Uh, but Begley also noted that it's possible one of Brock Aller, Frank Zanin, or Walt Perrin gets an expanded role. Um, so just to briefly outline what those three guys do in case anyone forgot or is unfamiliar, um, Brock Aller is sort of like the next capologist. Uh, a lot of the small moves around the margins are very uh, like are credited to him. He's apparently like an absolute salary cap genius. Uh, that finds like every loophole in the salary cap to make sure that you know his team can leverage every cent possible into the best possible outcome for them. Um, he's also the guy that has been largely credited with like all the little moves the Knicks make to gather like fistfuls of second round picks, like um, you know absorbing Ed Davis and uh, I forget who it was. Was it? Uh, Amari Spellman back in the day, Jacob Evans, I think it was, you know, like that deal where they brought them, it brought those guys in as like a salary dump, got, uh, I think two second round picks for their trouble there. And then immediately shipped Ed Davis out to another team and got another second round pick back, like little stuff like that, you know, around the margins. That's what Brock Aller is generally credited with because that's kind of his expertise. Uh, Frank Zanin is their head of pro scouting. So like, you know, every NBA team has a a pro scouting outfit where they scout other teams' players so that they can figure out who they want to, you know, go after and trade and stuff like that. So he does that, and then Walt Perrin obviously is like their their uh, college and international and whatever like uh, amateur scouting uh, director, uh, the guy that you know figures out who they're going to take in the draft and and works all that magic. And we've obviously seen how well that's worked out for the Knicks with like Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Jericho Sims, all these guys. So uh, that's, that's been working out pretty well for them so far too. So, uh, you know, Ian also noted that one of those guys could potentially see a promotion again, if they do cool. I, I would imagine they would still do many of the same things. I would think if anyone was going to get a promotion to the GM position, uh, it would probably be Brock Aller. It, it, he just seems like the logical choice considering he's involved in so many of the the moves that involve the salary cap and stuff like that. But he also might not be a guy that's, you know, super comfortable being like on the phone all the time with people negotiating trades and stuff like that, which I would assume someone that Leon would hire, you know, Leon is going to get on the phone himself and World Wide West is going to get on the phone. But I would assume that whoever the GM would be, uh, would be on the phones quite a bit too and and trying to work those deals. Maybe that's not Brock's comfort zone. I don't know, but either way, you know, maybe we see one of those guys get a promotion. I'd be willing to bet that they all stay in the same positions that they're in right now because they're probably handsomely paid. And ultimately, if they're happy with what they're doing, maybe don't care about that extra title of being the GM if it means stepping out of their comfort zone, but we'll see how that goes. And then Lastly, uh, uh, Ian Bagley notes, unlikely that the Knicks will pursue an outside candidate, but especially Bob Myers, uh, who just left the Golden State Warriors. Uh, so Bob Myers, similar to Leon Rose, was formerly an agent, uh, was then signed to be the, the GM of the Warriors and obviously built everything that the Warriors are now, uh, which is wildly impressive so if he's open to more jobs i am sure that he can find a place where he can get full autonomy and probably make a ton of money uh so it's unlikely that he would 
come in and serve under Leon Rose, which I think anybody could call that. Um, but yeah, so that I guess just temper your expectations if that was something that you were potentially hoping for. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it for today. Uh, that's that's the news dump of the weekend. So <laughs> hope you all enjoyed getting caught up. Uh, let me know if you're on YouTube, like in the comments, what you think about Randall's injury and uh, surgery here come that he just had. Or, uh, you know, Jalen Brunson, who you wanted to recruit off Team USA. Uh, or, of course, who you think the, the Knicks next GM will be. But until next time, thank you all for listening. And I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.